Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hi, Brett. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Jeffrey? I'm fantastic. Fant- wow. Yeah. Why are you fantastic today? Well, one. Other than sitting next to me. That's that's part of it. Of course. The other is we have a great guest today. All right. I always, first of all, I love recording the podcast. I we really have a happy guest I today, it. I hope. Yeah, we do. It's a little foreshadowing. I had my nephew's wedding this weekend. Oh, I was wow. with my wife and, and son. Very nice. Congrats to Matthew and Mary Goldwyn. Congrat- congratulations. Do you like going to weddings? Like, what's your approach to a wedding? What's my own? Yeah. yeah. My own? For or, me, my, for, <laughs> or just generally speaking? Yeah. I, I don't know. Do you, I don't know how was your that? own wedding? I guess I should, I should have worked on this question. Long time. Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> my approach to weddings is, obviously, it's everyone's there celebrating the union of two right. people who want to be together, and it should be a wonderful, happy time, and I'm happy if they invited me to be there to celebrate with them and try to make the most of it. That's exactly... Uh, that's a great answer. Well, thank you. I, I No, I agree, because I think we take them for granted, but I love weddings. I think they're fun, and <laughs> it's just a wonderful time to be celebrating love. What a great thing to celebrate, you know? Yes. And on that token, <laughs> celebrating love and happiness, we're bringing somebody in here who's all about love and happiness. Our guest today is Mark Eiglarsh. Mark has been a top-rated criminal defense attorney for the past 30 years. And by the way, he does not look that old. No. He looks great. Yeah. He has handled some high-profile cases. Among them is his defense of the former Broward County School Resource Officer, Scott Peterson. And Mr. Peterson was facing a life sentence for child neglect because he did not enter the building during the Marjorie Stoneham Douglas shooting to confront the shooter. And so he was being prosecuted for that. And Mark defended him and obtained acquittals on all 11 criminal counts. But he's not just a successful trial lawyer. He is an adjunct professor of law. He is a devoted husband, a proud father of three, and an avid pickleball player. But he's also made it his mission to help his community by bringing back happiness. He is the author of the popular book, Be Happy by Choice, Happiness Guaranteed or Your Misery Back. Great title. And you also may know him from his many local and national television appearances where he serves as an on-air media expert. I see him on TV all the time. <laughs> he, Mark Iglarsh is everywhere. Welcome, Mark. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, my friends. I'm on TV all the time because I love wearing makeup. Um, <laughs> that's the secret. Well, I'm going to say that you're not wearing makeup today and you still look fantastic. Yes. God bless you. I'm so glad I joined you today. Thank <laughs> you. I think the key to, uh, to happiness is that hairline. I mean, that hair know. looks great. I mean, look at you. <laughs> Jeff and I are suffering over <laughs> is here. This, is this an audio or a video? Only, only, only audio. audio. <laughs> only audio. Yeah, Jeff. What, a, what a shame. What a, what a deprivation. Well, to Jeff, Jeff and I I'm have... Jeff and I have yeah. faces, uh, perfect faces for podcasts, so uh, that's why there's no video. Hey, speak for yourself there. Oh, fair, <laughs> enough. fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Mark, so uh, you're a criminal defense lawyer. Can we talk about the case that we mentioned, the Peterson case? I know it's a sure. sensitive yeah. topic. Yeah, and, and not yeah. we don't need to get into the details, the messy details of the case itself. More about the obviously highly charged, a lot of publicity. I think you probably know people who 
had children in the school and whatever it was. And so those are always tough to handle. And tell us a little bit about that aspect of it and, and what you faced while you represented. What most, people, what most people would be surprised to know is that I didn't even want to meet with him at first. I'm like, what's the point? I'm not going to represent some guy who I have been sold by the media to be some coward of Broward. I had already been representing one of the victims who used one of her classmates as a shield as bullets were riddling by. She used his body. He had already been killed. So she used his body to protect her. We went on today's show with Megan Kelly. We talked about what she went through. I was already a victim advocate. So what am I going to be doing representing this guy? But he convinced me to meet He then told me things in that first meeting that I said, you know what, if half of what you're telling me can be proven, I have an obligation to be your lawyer. And this is why I got into this business. If if half of what you're saying could be true. And everything he told me was true. You could read the transcript in real time of things that he was saying, where it was clear he didn't know where the shooter or shooters were located because of the pronounced echo and reverberation. I then looked at the testimony of all these witnesses, students who were right there with him. They thought the shooting was coming from hundreds and hundreds of yards away. I knew that I was dealing with an innocent guy who had been thrown under the bus by his boss, former Sheriff Scott Israel. And it was so clear to me. Now, I have nothing left to prove. I'm not trying to convince anybody that he's innocent. We're not going to get into the weeds. I'm just letting you know that in 31 years, I'd never had a client that was this clean, that deserved our praise and our thanks for 32 years of being a decorated officer who had won many awards. And instead, he was facing a life sentence. So for three and a half years, I was losing sleep over a case that I was hoping would end any day. And it didn't. I still couldn't believe that we were going to trial on this case. You were initially resistant and you took the case because he had had demonstrated his innocence to you. But I assume that that information was not information you could share with your friends and colleagues. And so did you face backlash from the community? I could share and I did, but nobody really believed it. At that point, he had had years of the media pounding him and making him out to be the bad guy, the coward of Broward. I, I didn't believe it at first. I mean, I even as I'm taking depositions in the case, I'm going, okay, maybe there's something that I don't know. I, I really believe that at some point I was going to be presented with evidence of his guilt. At some point, I still believe that because I talked to some of the civil lawyers who had also had a head start. And they're like, he's a piece of, you know what, don't you dare represent him. And these are people that I knew and trusted. And boy, was it just the opposite. Well, it's amazing. A testament to you for having the courage to stand up for what you felt was right. Even it was rough. Of- it affected my relationship with my wife. She didn't want to hear the facts because she was sympathetic, as, as was I, to the families who lost their children. It was a lose-lose. I was depriving them of something that they thought would bring them a little happiness, you know, to hear the guilty verdict. And after Cruz not getting the death penalty, this was their way of getting justice, right? And I had to stand in the way of that because he didn't deserve to be found guilty of anything. So it was a horrible feeling to be in for me. It really was. Have you had, obviously there's never going to be anything that is going to sort of rise to this level, but have you had other matters, representation of clients where you've had to deal with these issues and struggled with, should I take this case on or not? Yes, but nothing remotely like this. There is nothing like parents who lost their children. These parents, they're living my worst nightmare. And you guys as parents, you know, that is the worst nightmare. They're living it. I still get emotional every time I think about what they're going through. It kills me. So it's such a dance that I've got to do between you guys don't get it. You guys don't understand. You can't sacrifice this man. 
and do justice for your victims by doing an injustice against someone who is innocent. It's a difficult dance to do. Yeah, that is a hard argument to win and Mm -hmm. to win over those people, the parents, I'm sure, right? They don't want to hear it. And like you said, they have their target and maybe I would feel the same way. I mean, I understand and completely get it because of what they're going through and have gone through. I knew what I was up against in jury selection. I had to do a masterful job. Yeah weaning out people who would possibly allow sympathy and emotion to play a role in their verdict. And I outed, I said, there are going to be people, parents who lost their children. Do you have any obligation to stay in that jury room for a certain period of time? If after the state rests their case, you don't believe that they've proven the case. Can you come out in less than five minutes? Could you do it? And I wanted jurors who said, yeah, we don't owe them anything. You know, I mean, yeah, if if they didn't prove the case, then theoretically, by law, we should say not guilty. Well, they didn't. They took four days, 19 hours. It was the worst. That's why I got very emotional because I expected a five minute not guilty. But then I understood how they didn't want to rush to judgment. And thank God for unanswered prayers, because had they just quickly give me, give me the not guilty that he deserved, there would have been, well, they rushed, they didn't look at this case seriously. They rushed to judgment. Thanks for your courage on that, Mark. Really um, glad. Thank you. We are uh, good that he had you as his counsel, but let's shift gears to a happier subject. Be happy by choice. Happiness guaranteed or your misery back. First of all, how'd you come up with that title? That's awesome. I would like my misery well, back, please. Cause this yeah. is the best breakfast uh, I ever ate. Listen, I don't profess to have an original thought, right? So any title or any idea in my book, I would have gotten somehow would have been influenced by the many things that I did when I went through tremendous pain, which I consider to be growing opportunities throughout my life. We all go through pain and I think it's phenomenal. I don't look at pain as a bad thing. I look at it as, wow, what a growing opportunity. It doesn't feel good when I go through it and and listen, higher power. I'd like to have no more of that. But you know what? If that's what comes my way, I got to grow from it. And so I didn't want to write a book. I wrote a book because I had to. Like I was doing all these things that were making me feel better, that were helping me take control of my life. And I needed to get out there and tell people how to take control of their lives. Was there a triggering event that led to this? I mean, obviously you were going through some internal struggles. We all do dealing with life and frankly, frankly, the being a lawyer and being a dad and being a husband. And I mean, it's just, it's hard Um, and life is hard, but you have to sort of overcome, right? That's what we do every day. But was there Um, one event or a series of events that led you to, hey, I got to write this book. I got to do it. Well, I'll give you the quick thumbnail version. So we were halfway through our first pregnancy. I'm I'm kissing my wife's belly every single night. I'm speeding up the story just in the interest of time. We went in for a routine sonogram. The only thing I didn't want to know was the sex of the baby. Why? Because my wife said, I want to be surprised. I'm like, well, it's either a boy or a girl. It's not going to be a llama. (laughs) But you've got happy wife, happy life. We go in, don't tell us the sex of the baby. Next thing I know, as the guy's doing the sonogram, you see his whole demeanor changes. He goes, you need to go for a second level sonogram right away. Turns out that our baby, the brain was growing outside of his skull. We learned it was a boy which meant that he was not going to survive outside of the womb at all. So our baby was otherwise healthy. Just the brain was literally growing outside. It's called encephalocele. It's a rare neurological tube disorder that affects a fraction of 1% of babies. So we literally had to terminate our baby at about 
20 weeks. It was the absolute worst. We didn't know how to grieve together. I was like Tony Robinson, this shit. Come on, let's go. Come on. We can do this. Well, we'll get pregnant again. Don't you worry. Not allowing my sweet wife to grieve the way she wanted being judgmental. Then I get a puppy. I bring home a puppy. We had just finished renovating our home. We didn't need a puppy, but we put all that love that we had for that unborn child onto that dog that freakishly ate a softball that got stuck inside, had surgery and died because she couldn't digest like the word, like a series of events in such a short period of time. Plus my, my wife was struggling also with her own demons at the time. She writes about that in her book. It was rough. And from that, it takes you down to Chinatown or you grow. I said, listen, any book that had happiness in the title, I read. Any seminar, I went to. Deepak Chopra Wellness Center in Carlsbad, California. I'm there, dude. Teach me how to meditate. I don't know, you know. And from that came tremendous growth. And I learned that we change how we feel based upon changing our thoughts. And we need to be mindful of the thoughts that our brain is sending to us. My brain that I call Biff right? Because my brain's been sending me thoughts and bullying me like Marty McFly has been bullied by Biff. And I, I just take the thoughts that serve me well and I leave the thoughts that don't. So when my brain's saying, Mark, stop talking, you're rambling, nobody wants to hear you right now. I say, thank you, Biff. Send me other thoughts. No, no, no. You need to tell the story. You're doing it for pure, non-ego related reasons. Keep telling the story. And so then I continue and now I put a period at the end and I'm done. Okay, go. First of all, I mean, you just said so many things. I didn't know Beth wrote a book, but that's amazing too. Yeah. I'm sure her book is great. Fantastic. Naming your brain. Let's just talk about naming your brain. I'm just picking, yeah. looking at my notes from what you said. You said so many things. Tell us about naming your brains. I love that idea and I've used it since I heard okay. it before. So the average person has about 50,000 thoughts a day. Okay. Lawyers have about double that because we've learned to bill for our thoughts. That goes over better in a non-lawyer. Well said. Sure, yeah. I liked it. Well said. Right. And 80% of the thoughts that we have on a daily basis are thoughts that don't serve us well. I don't call them bad thoughts. I just call them thoughts that don't serve us well. Okay? Well, they're survival, right? 90. They're born out of a survival instinct, right? Telling us, hey. There's all that. And then we, then we learn them. Like social media. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not fill in the blank enough. I mean, we all have that. 90% of the thoughts that we had yesterday are the same thoughts we're having today, are the same thoughts we're having tomorrow. We're in this vicious cycle of entertaining thoughts that do not serve us well. So I said, okay, do I take every food item from a buffet line? No, I take what items I want and I leave the rest. Similarly, when Biff, my brain, sends me thoughts that don't serve me well, I say, buddy, I know what you're doing. Thank you. Okay. It protected me so I didn't go into a cave and get eaten by the saber-toothed tiger. It protects me so I don't sing the national anthem at the Super Bowl because it wouldn't be my voice they'd want to hear. It has certain value to me, but the rest of those thoughts don't serve me well, so I get rid of them. And what's left are, Mark, you're good enough, you're smart enough, you're fill in the blank, life is wonderful, you have an abundance, everything is just fantastic. And when I entertain those thoughts, I feel great. And then I show up great. And then the universe rewards me because my energy is great, right? And that's why I'm here. If my energy wasn't what it was, then Jeff, you would have went, yeah, I heard Iglar speak, he sucked, so I'm not going to invite him to the podcast, right? But conversely, look at this opportunity that we're both having. To me, it's a gift be able to speak right now and hear myself reiterate these thoughts that I need to hear on a daily basis because we have a great forgettery. We forget. We forget all these things. So yeah, I say name your brain so you don't get all upset when you have those thoughts that don't serve you well. You just laugh. You laugh. You go, Biff, I know what you're doing. You don't say that out loud. They have (laughs) a place to send you. (laughs) Right. But you know, I know what you're doing. 
send me thoughts that serve me well. And I wait for them. Do you have, for those that are listening out there, that we all have the negative and unhappy thoughts and the bad thoughts and the useless thoughts. Do you have a process that you go through every day or do you have affirmations? Do you have things that others out there might say, hey, maybe I can start applying some of that stuff other than reading your book, of course. A routine. Yes. A routine, right? Yeah. So it starts the second my eyes open. Before I reach for that phone, Mm -hmm. I'm conscious to say higher power Okay, some call it God, some call it the Zephyr Hills bottle. I don't care. It's a, it's, it's a higher power of your understanding, right? Deja vu, the magnificence that are your children, the miracles that have occurred in your life, that happens somewhere. I don't give man credit for that. There's something bigger than me out there. So this higher power, sometimes I call him God, right? I say, how can I be of service to you today? Not, I, God, I hope there's more zeros in my bank account, you know, and I can make this amount of money. No more am I asking for stuff that serves me. I say, how can I be of service today? How can I be of service? You give love, you get love. So that's how I start my day. I don't represent guilty people and I make a lot of money and I get them off. I'm being of service to them. I'm being of service to the victims in the case because I'm going to treat them with love. I'm being of service to everybody I try to come in contact with, okay? So I start off by how can I be of service? And then throughout the day, I'm focusing on the antidote to stinking thinking, which is gratitude. Gratitude, not what do I lack, but what do I have an abundance of? What am I grateful for? You can only have one thought at any given moment in your head. So if it's, oh, I wish I had more money. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. That's lack. But if I'm, I'm so grateful that I had a meal. I'm grateful that I just took a breath. I just took another one. I'm so grateful to have my wife in my life. And I can spend 10 minutes alone on each one of my kids. So the more I'm focusing on gratitude, the less likely I am to have stinking thinking. And finally, when I go to sleep, and I'm just giving the short versions, Mm -hmm. I meditate, I exercise, I do a lot of stuff. But before I go to sleep, before I close my eyes, I open up my iPhone, I go to the notes section and I write the top five things for which I'm most grateful. You do not have to do five. You can do three. Studies show that three work fine. So now instead of having all that worry about the next thing that's going to happen tomorrow or all the worry of your day, you're filling your head and you're reliving the experience. Wow, I'm so grateful that I got to sit down with Bass and Amron on their podcast and share to the world you know, my thoughts and they look like they were into it and they were listening and I hope I was of service. So then that makes me feel good and I get a better night's sleep. And again, I repeat the cycle every day, try to focus on gratitude. I know you may have some follow-up, but I just have one follow-up on that. And thank you. That sounds amazing. That list, that gratitude list that you make in your phone at night, do you go back to it periodically? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Because imagine I go, what was I doing today? Seven years ago. I look and I go, oh my God, I was having kidney stone surgery that day. What the hell do I have to worry about today? Back then I would have prayed like, just let this pain subside. And I promise, I promise, right? right? So yes, I do go back. And by the way, two rules to the list. Mm -hmm. Number one, you can't repeat yourself. So what started probably 10, 15 years ago is I'm grateful for my wife has evolved to, I'm grateful for my wife for cooking a healthy chicken teriyaki dinner for me with broccoli and allowed me to rub her feet on the couch while we watched a Dateline murder mystery about a woman who kills her husband. Like it's that specific. So it becomes a journal. And the other thing is you want to be very specific and yeah, not repeat as I just did. Yeah, I like it. I'm a a believer. I was actually going to ask you about what role gratitude plays in all this happiness. And uh, I'm glad you steered it there. And Brett and I have, we talk a lot about gratitude. We did an episode, a podcast episode around this time. It was 
I don't know when it was, but it was around Thanksgiving and we did an episode about gratitude and it's such an important part of, of happiness, like to just appreciating what you have versus focusing on what you don't have or what's lacking or what's wrong with things. And I do the same, very similar things, not in the same structured way, but I have found it helps me shift my focus in a positive, in a more positive light. If you're always looking for that to fill a hole, right, where you feel like you're lacking, I mean, you're never going to fill that hole, right? right? We all know that. Because once you get the thing, it's like, okay, well, what's next? What's the next thing? Right. That I, right. That I want. The goalpost moves. Yeah. Whatever Bass Amron made last year, yeah. you're like, okay, well, now we're going to move the goalpost. We're going to make this amount. Right. And it can't come from external sources. I've learned. Yeah. It can't. It can't because no matter if I could just get a national TV appearance, okay, did that. If I could just get on this show, like whatever the goals were, okay, I far surpassed it and that didn't fill the void. Right. Right. So what is it? Yeah. It's so much more simpler. It's literally about stopping my car, handing a $50 bill to a guy whose tire blew out on the side of the road and literally jumping back into my car and driving away. That does it for me because it's a random act of kindness. That was was me. You gave me 50. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you looked very unhappy in that beat it down truck. You know, it's about random acts of kindness, too. It's about trying to help people and just be of service again and not looking for anything in return. Nothing. I'll give you an example. I spoke at a Big Brothers Big Sisters state convention and a woman was wowed, she claimed, by my speech. It happened to be the CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters, Broward. And I've been wanting to get back involved. I was involved for 10 years on the board in Miami. I was a mentor to a kid who was 11 when I met him. He's 40 something now with his own kids. I still mentor him. Okay. So I've been dying to get back. And instead of committing to being on the board, I said, well, let me go to one of the meetings first before I commit. And I went to one of the meetings and you know what really did it for me? Not talking about the bylaws or raising money, but the match that they had talk at the beginning of the meeting. And I missed being a mentor. So I immediately signed up and I'm waiting right now. I did the background check, everything. I'm waiting to get paired with an 11 or 12 year old kid that I'm going to take off the waiting list and be a mentor in his life. Nothing is exciting me more than that. Like nothing. Like that does it for me. That's great. Thank you. That I get to be of service. We're grateful to you for that. What do you think is this role? Do you think this whole happiness discussion that we're having has a a particular or a different application to lawyers, especially litigators? Do you think Uh, there's something, is it, are litigators a special breed? Do they need their own version of this thing? No, this all works for them, but they have to get out of the way of their stubbornness or skepticism. I was brutal. I was brutal. I didn't believe any of this stuff. I was like this, you know, flaky, hokey, all this. I'm the most skeptical guy in the room, right? And I just said, you know, enough pain brought me to my knees, literally and metaphorically. And I just said, okay, fine. I'll prove you wrong. I'll do all this stuff. And then I'll show you that doesn't work either. And an amazing thing happened. Like I started to get better. It started to work. Stuff that I preach is stuff I do on a daily basis. And I am not telling people to be happy. I'm not. I'm just saying that you decide your reaction to everything in life and how it's going to make you feel. You decide. In other words, when my mother was dying of cancer, my dearest friend in the world, I wasn't clicking my heels. I wasn't thrilled. I was choosing to allow myself to feel what I needed to feel for myself. But at some point I said, okay, enough. That's it. Right. Right. That's it. I'm done. Okay. She's not going to be at your kid's next bar mitzvah. She's not going to be at the next play that they perform at. Okay. She'll be there in spirit. Let me change my thoughts to change how I feel. And then 
I'm telling you the pain, I don't feel the loss of her. I don't. She's still with me. I feel her. She's watching this and, and felling. She's having nachas and joy. <laughs> yeah. In my house, it's a lot of very similar. It's you do you. You control yourself. You can't control yes. other people. You can't control other people's right. reactions, what they're going to do. Right. You just you right. do you, and that's the best approach. And so it's the same thing that you're talking about, which that. is you control your own thoughts. You give yourself space. You give yourself time. You do this. It's you. And it's not, yes. I'm going to wait for somebody to come and save me. I'm going to wait for something to happen to me so I can be happy, right? right? Yeah, Aristotle said, take charge of your thoughts. Yeah. You could do what you will with them, yeah. right? And the metaphor also is if I had a hula hoop, I'd put it around you and I'd say, all right, everything in this hula hoop you can control. Everything else you can't, <laughs> right? But you've got to go through life to try, right? I tried to control jurors. I tried to control my wife, my kids, everyone around me for what I thought was for their benefit, right? Nobody needs to be controlled. Just be, just like you said, you said it perfectly. Just be, be the best version of yourself you can be. And then that speaks volumes, you know? Right. I agree. And recognize that, I mean, this is going back to what you said earlier and the only naming your brain is that your thoughts are not you. They're just oh, yes. thoughts. Like Keep I think going. people identify with well, that's me in there saying those things. And that's, I think the reason why you name the brain is to separate those thoughts from yes. yourself. This is a conversation that happens in my house too. It's like, you're not sad. You're experiencing sad feelings right now, or you're experiencing this emotion, <laughs> but that is not you that is sad. Yes. And just like you hear yes. the sound of my voice, that feeling that you're feeling is an external input, even though it yes, feels like- Yes, I write about that that your brain is nothing more than an organ, right? And your brain is sending you thoughts for your consideration. If you acted on every single thought, <laughs> we would have killed 19 people in traffic, right, right? right? We would have done some really crazy stuff. So you have the ability to say, all right, that's probably not a good idea. And we let certain thoughts go. Why wouldn't we let thoughts go where our brain's telling us that we're horrible and we're, we're not successful and we're not worthy and we're not all those right. limiting beliefs, right? Yeah. And I say that your brain is no different than any other organ, like your spleen, your colon, your lungs. In fact, the similarity between the brain and the colon is they both produce crap. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm going to throw a question out to you, Mr. Bast. Oh, I'm not the guest. Have you named your brain? Um, and if you haven't, what would you name your brain? I haven't named Ooh. my brain, but I'd like to think about that We'll put one. a pin in it. Yeah. All right. Stay yeah. tuned, audience. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Tell the listeners. And you don't have to, but I'm telling you, the minute I did, hmm. it made a big difference. Right. You don't have to write down what you're grateful for, but when you really do put pen to paper or yeah. thumbs to iPhone, it does make a difference. And if you want a different outcome, you got to try something different. Yeah, it's funny what you said about making each gratitude item different each time. Is that something I, yeah. I have a gratitude journal and I also have a little gratitude exercise, but... The idea of thinking of something new yeah. each time, because there's a tendency, you know, I'm, I'm a swimmer, I, so I'm always thankful for the ocean, but sometimes it's, I'm thankful for the lines in the bottom of the sea, or I'm thankful for a calm day, or I'm thankful yes. for a rough day, or whatever it is. And so it is a struggle, but like you said, there are so many things to be grateful for that we just take for granted. The breath, the meal, the roof over our heads, the fact that we sleep in a bed, period but a bed with air conditioning and fluffy pillows and all these other things. And we are so fortunate. You, you just gave a great statement. What the listeners can't see is that you were gesturing with both of your hands appropriately. You didn't even realize you were doing it. So give gratitude. Number one, that you have both of your hands. Yeah. 
all your fingers are there. Like there's so much that we take for granted yeah, yeah, that your brain controlled your hands as mine are being controlled. I don't even have to think about it. It's just happening. It's stuff that we just take for granted until you don't have your hands anymore. Well, there are people who are in that situation. I'm not taking anything for granted anymore. I don't take you and for granted, Mr. Bass. This was fun. Because yeah. uh, to me, like the more happiness we spread, I think it is contagious. And I, I'm a firm believer that you get back what you put out in the world. If you're letting off positive energy and happiness, you're going to get it back. I always say the grumpier you are, the more assholes you meet. So if you're setting that's out good. happiness, you're going to meet happy people. And that's why I associate with this guy, Mr. Amron, right here. It's Make nice. I see the energy. It's great. It's wonderful. <laughs> you guys are a good team. And I'm so glad you came on. Really enjoyed this. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues and give us a five-star review. Leaving a review helps other people find the show and helps us produce better content and it makes us happier spread the happiness in the world yes mark thanks again thanks mark Brett, appreciate it thank you nelson thank you i'm grateful for you nelson i'm grateful for all of you thank you i'm grateful for both of you thank you for having me on thank you guys for more information on this show and other resources visit fastamron.com and connect with us on linkedin facebook and instagram at fastamron.com